Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you for the next 60 minutes. And a reminder, you have multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. 201-939-4513. Can hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. And... Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved. Zero never tasted so good. So a lot to tackle on the program as we will recap the game. This is our first show since the Giants fell to the Eagles in lopsided fashion, 38-7. to Joe Shane and Brian Dable just spoke to the media, so we are coming into the studio right fresh out of that press conference. So we'll get into a lot. And let's start with the press conference. Did you that- get a new deal, by the way? Uh, not yet. Remember, okay. any new deals can't be finalized <laughs> until the beginning of March, Paul. We're getting ahead of schedule. I'm just checking. Well, I just want to make sure everybody understands the calendar, at okay. least with respect to that. And <laughs> clearly, that's a good segue because that was the big talking point at the press conference. There wasn't a lot of recapping of the season. It was more of looking ahead, which is understandable. Giants have a lot of pending free agents. Most important, Daniel Jones, as well as Saquon Barkley. Dexter Lawrence still has the fifth-year option on his rookie contract. Julian Love is another free agent. So to sum things up, Joe Shane, Paul was asked individual questions about all of them. But the bottom line was the generic response and statement is, in an ideal world, they would love to bring everybody back. They're very happy with what they viewed both on and off the field. And a lot also what went on in the locker room, building the culture and so forth. But Joe Shane understands there are salary cap restrictions. And in an ideal world, while you'd love to bring everybody back, it takes two to tango is the phrase I like to utilize, Paul. And Mm -hmm. he sort of utilized that phrase as well. So, you know, they have a lot of negotiating ahead. They had exit meetings with every single player on the roster yesterday. They were able to see them face-to-face and decide and lay out what exactly they're looking for this offseason. But... All he pretty much said from a definitive standpoint, at least with conviction, they would like Daniel Jones back. Yes. They've certainly seen enough. They would like Saquon Barkley back. Mm-hmm. But once again, it's still going to come down to the financial numbers. He also talked about Julian Love as well. Yep. Those were the three guys who particularly 
Uh, I think you can separate his comments from the rest of the class when he said, yeah, we'd like everybody back. No, when those three guys were addressed specifically with questions, he made it clear that they really do want to work those things out as long as the numbers, you know, uh, come into, uh, into play. Look, we all know, and you say this all the time, it takes two people to make a deal. Until Jones, until Barkley, until Love, take that pen out and sign the new deal, they're not here. But there is every intention for the Giants to have those three guys back for 2023. There's no doubt about that. Quote from Dable, which I thought was really telling at the end of the presser, you don't just collect talent, you build the team. It's quite clear, and we knew this from the very beginning when Dable and Shane started to rebuild the 2022 roster, it is very important that they get smart, tough, dependable players who fit in with the selflessness of this locker room. Because that that was something that was a theme throughout the entire press conference, that they know they didn't have the best roster. They know that there is a talent gap between them and the Eagles. And Joe Shane himself said, we won one game in the division. Got it. You want to win your division. That then everything takes care of itself. He gets that, but they are always going to put a priority on the kind of players that they bring in here, who will fit the the rules, the boundaries, the blueprints, because it's about making a cohesive, chemistry laden team. It's not just about getting the most talent that you can compile on a 53-man roster. And I think that's important because one of the other items that Shane mentioned, and then I'll let let it go back to you here, uh, Lance. He was asked about OBJ. And he said, look, we're going to try to improve this team any way that we can. And we had a good dinner with him. But he mentioned the fact that uh, the Giants don't have a, quote, wide receiver one. And was asked, And he said, well, yeah, wide receiver one is important. But there are a lot of wide receiver ones who didn't make the playoffs, who were sitting home. And and that's not a necessary component. The most important component is that you build a team. So keep all that stuff in mind because every offseason, Lance, we sit here and we take phone calls when a, quote, big-name guy gets cut, released, is on the trade market, and we have to talk people down off the ledge when we tell them just because the guy's a big name doesn't mean he's going to be targeted by the Giants. And Shane pretty much told you that right here in the press conference. Well, it's not about names or overall talent. It's about guys who fit. They have to assimilate into what exactly is being built here front and center. And even Brian Dable said they feel they're a step ahead of the process from the standpoint of they have their structured schedule in place. They have taught the team how they're going to practice, how they go about meeting, the coaching staff's comfortable. So it's in place where the foundation is built. A new player comes in, okay, we're not trying to build our own identity. We already have that laid out. So that helps, but you still need to finish the process of getting the player to then buy in to what you have already formulated. I think what you were talking about with respect to the number one wide receiver, Joe Shane was asked about having financial limitations this season. And he said... There were veteran free agents they wanted to go after down the stretch of the season Couldn't do it. to help round out the roster, just did not have the financial means to do that. So I think he understands that he's not just going to 
take a bag of money this offseason, throw it at the wall, and hope that it sticks everywhere. Well, and also, let's make very clear, again, based off of what he said about the guys being a good fit, a lot of these, quote, star players, they bring some baggage. They bring some attitude. You know, for example, I mean, we saw what Stephon Diggs just did with the Bills. Looked like a little bit of a diva attitude, which, Emotional. by the way, which, by the way, you know, we had in Minnesota, but the Bills made a trade for him anyway. And then now this weekend, all of a sudden, you're, you're hearing, well, maybe he's not the greatest guy to get along with. And maybe he's not the best locker room fit. So keep that in mind that, you know, the Giants are going to be very, very much discerning in which higher profile players they may want to take a look at. The point that Joe Shane made was it's easier to make investments on players internally because you know their work ethic. Mm -hmm. You've seen it up close and personal. You know how they act in the locker room in addition to evaluating their production or the lack thereof on the field. When you take a chance on a free agent, you see the X's and O's. But it's a little bit more of a guessing game in terms of how they would fit into your roster, work ethic, injury history. So I thought that was an interesting point, which means doesn't mean that he's going to over-prioritize everybody on the roster, but the way that I interpreted what he was saying, they're going to do everything in their power to keep the continuity of this roster together, assuming, once again, the salary cap allows it. Because there was another question that was posed to Joe Shane do you have a walkaway number for everybody? Meaning, mm-hmm. is there a number you've met with your staff right. and you go throughout the list and Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and you formulate a number where, hey, if the agent comes back and says, we want this per year, we're looking for this guaranteed money. Joe Shane said, yes, we have those conversations in the offseason. And if they come back to us with a number that we are absolutely uncomfortable going past, then we're content that we did everything possible at the negotiating table to try to retain the player but we just couldn't find the middle ground. I think it's important to note the Giants have 20 unrestricted free agents, one voidable contract, which was Sterling Shepard. And by the way, he did say that they loved having him around. He was a great asset to the team. They will have to check with the medical staff, though, and see what exactly they think Sterling Shepard's future is. And where he is in the recovery process. Before they figure out whether or not they want to offer him something. But they certainly viewed him as a positive factor on this this year's roster. So 20 unrestricted free agents, the one voidable deal with Shepard, also uh, five restricted free agents. So that's a total of 26 free players who will not be under contract. That's about half the roster. Okay, and Dable, isn't it funny? Dable actually said, usually you you see as many as half the roster get overturned every year. Uh, Giants will be picking 25th in the first round of the draft because uh, Miami's ahead of them, but they forfeited their pick because of that that, uh, tampering issue. So the Giants are going to be 25th instead of 26th. And I will also uh, just mention this, just to get it out of the way. We don't have to talk about it today. But in terms of guys who played at least 50% of the Giants' snaps this year, who are now no longer going to be under contract, there's Barkley, Jones. Now, Gates was injured for half the year, but he he only played 32% of the snaps. But once he came back, he played a lot. And if you carry it out over the course of the season, he would have gotten into your... Cut off. So I'll, I'll put Gates on that list. Uh, Fully Seattle's on that list. Um, do you count Kreider? Well, yeah, because he's the, the long snapper on every special teams drill. So I think you could count Casey Kreider on that. Uh, you could also count Ward. Uh, Richie James, believe it or not, only played 46% of the snaps by the time the season was over. Believe it or not. Even though he was 
their leading receiver in terms of number of catches out of that room. Well, because earlier in the season, he didn't play as big a prominent role. Right. So I think that probably played So I think we can throw his name in there as a guy, a prominent player on the roster. Uh, Fabian Moreau, Jalen Smith, Darius Slayton, Julian Love. Uh, Zimenez played just under 45% of the snaps. So if you wanted to include him in that list of a, of a uh, regular kind of player, uh, he would also be one of those guys. And players across the board at various different positions. So that's why it is a very interesting offseason because it's not one area of the roster that you have to address. It's really all areas. And just to piggyback off of your point about the talent gap, Joe Shane was actually asked and flat out said when he was questioned about the Eagles, Cowboys versus the Giants, he said, yes, there is a talent gap and we have to do everything in our power to make that up. That's when he referenced what you were talking about, the record within the division in which they only posted one win and then, of course, had the tie with the Washington Commanders. One other thing I wanted to get to, which I thought was another underlying theme, and this goes back to the turnover rate on rosters in the NFL, Brian Dable brought up that he's been on a Super Bowl team, and then the following year they missed the playoffs. Yes. He's been a part of eight times where they have fell short in the playoffs and they didn't even reach the Super Bowl. And the point was, just because you make it to the divisional round in year one, and you have financial flexibility and maybe an opportunity to put your stamp on the roster, doesn't mean that you pick up exactly where it ended and then you get to the promised land again. And I thought that point, while it should be stating the obvious, Paul, because if you follow the NFL long enough, you know the turnover rate is ridiculous and unlike any other professional sport, it is worth bringing up and emphasizing. And I actually, I keep tally of this turnover rate. Seven new teams made the playoffs this year. And what I mean by that is seven teams that didn't make the playoffs the previous year. Right. That's half the field, Paul. 14 teams make the playoffs. Seven teams that missed out made it, which means seven teams that made the playoffs the previous year were watching from their couches. And remember the additional wild card that has now come into play too. Sure. Well, but even with the additional wild card, each of the first two years where we have had the new wild card team, half the field has Mm -hmm. changed. You go back to the last time less than seven new teams made the playoffs was 2015. Was it really? Yeah. They had four new teams. 2016, seven. 2017, eight. 2018, seven. You see this trend? You see this track record? It's not to be a Debbie Downer. It's just to showcase the reality of the circumstances. You know where I'm going. The quicksand of mediocrity. That's what it is. You know, some people call it parity. I'm not so sure that I necessarily agree with that. I guess it can be. The quicksand of mediocrity can be full of parity. But you climb out, you get up to your waist, and then all of a sudden you sink back to your chest. You climb up to your waist and you sink back to your chest. That's what happens. That's the way this league is designed. That's what they want. But that's why you have to go about navigating those challenges. The point is, you can't just be content where you finished. You have to take a step back. And Brian Dable and Joe Shane said the reason why they want a few days is you can't make emotional decisions. Meaning you can't Paul, right. make a decision about a free agent and say, I love the guy in the locker room. He's such a good guy to get along with. We have great conversations. Finances, X's and O's production have to be the leading factors more so than relationships. Other thought before we get to the calls, uh, Joe Shane also mentioned, and he was very specific about this, they are trying to build something that can sustain. So we're not looking at a 2016 Giants team that invested big money in Jackrabbit and in Snacks and in Olivia Vernon because we saw what happened. 
that got them a playoff spot, okay? But it did not give them staying power. Yep. Well, and here's the other thing. You also have a lot of internal candidates this offseason that you have to contemplate re-signing. Mm-hmm. And whenever you look at the projections, right, of the salary cap, Paul, everybody likes to go on a website and the Giants are projected to have this, this, and that. The bottom line is a lot of those resources are going to be used up if you <laughs> will. bring your players back, right? They will. So this idea, oh, they'll have so much freedom and flexibility to go out and spend it. Well, hold on. If you bring back Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and Julian Love and you give Dexter Lawrence an extension, Paul, how much is left over to go free spending, right? All of that is relative to the current circumstances. I know we want to open up the phone lines, but real quickly, since this is the first show since the game, and I know it wasn't necessarily the way it panned out in the hopeful category for the fan base, but we should at least address what transpired. It was a game in which the Eagles dominated. Let's flat out say it in every single facet of this game. I think Brian Dable pretty much said it best after the contest where it was sort of a wake-up call, a reality check. And I know I'm paraphrasing because all of a sudden you came to the realization that well, the Minnesota Vikings are very different than the Philadelphia Eagles. And that was something we talked about, by the way, leading up to the game specifically on the defensive side of the ball. But if there was one early turning point, Paul, in the game, it was the Eagles, they go down, they score the first touchdown, they take a 7-0 lead, and the Giants, third and three. And Daniel Jones is tripped up by his offensive line. Now, the Eagles' pressure, of course, forced the pocket to close. Yeah. You lose five yards, fourth and eight. You keep your offense out on the field. And, hey, Brian Dable's been very aggressive this season. So I don't want to say it was an out-of-character move. But you do realize if you don't get that, you give the Eagles tremendous field positioning. And then what happens? Hassan Reddick makes another great play. Daniel Jones is sacked. Eagles take over. They score a touchdown. And all of a sudden, it's a two-touchdown deficit. All right, two things to say about that fourth and eight at the Eagles 40 to make it very clear. I watched the pregame warm-ups with the field goal kickers. Both guys had trouble making field goals from 55. That would have been a 57-yarder, maybe 58-yarder from that point. Sure. Dable said afterwards they had actually already discussed it with Gano as they always do, and they thought that the range was maybe 52-53. He said 35-yard line. To get to the 35-yard line, correct. So field goal was not an option there. Okay, so that's off the board. They were either going to have to go for it or punt it. Jamie Gillen is not a coffin corner kicker. Never has been. He's not mastered that part of his game like Jeff Fiegel's did. He is more of a rugby-style kicker. So he's going to do a boomerang kick or he's going to do a pooch kick. Uh, He's going to get hang time or he's going to wind up putting it into the end zone. Well, think about it. Touchback is to the 20. So you're giving up about 20 yards. That's a lot, though, Paul. I I get it. (laughs) But I also think that after the Eagles had scored on the first drive, uh, Dable wanted to prove a point to his guys as well as the Eagles that we're going to be aggressive. We're going to stand up to the bully. And we're going to try to come right back and answer them with a counterpunch. I had no problem with him making that decision to go for it. I'll be totally honest with you. I had no problem with it whatsoever, given the circumstances. You know it's a raucous crowd. You know your team is undermanned talent-wise. You need the intangibles to fall in your favor to upset this team. So I'm good with that. For me, this game really didn't start to get out of hand 
until 12 and a half minutes left in the second quarter after a Giants punt. They're down 14 to nothing, and this includes the fact that they had already given up the interception at the end of the first quarter, yep. and they're down by two scores. But I'm still thinking the Giants have enough fight. They've shown it all year that they're not going away from a two-score deficit. But now what happens? The Eagles make it a three-score deficit. They go down on a nine-play, 63-yard touchdown drive, and what really was painful for me to watch is that on the first six plays of the drive, Sanders ran the ball six consecutive times. Yep. Got it from the Eagles' 37 to the Giants' 25-yard line. Actually, to the 20. To the 20, yeah. To the 20, because his last run got it to the 20. Yep. Six straight runs by Sanders. That right there was a very, very painful stretch to watch. Because then after the pass to Goddard, then Boston Scott, the Giants' killer, comes in and rumbles three yards for the touchdown, 21 nothing, And that that right there, to me, that drive said to me, I just don't know how the Giants are going to recover from this because that drive told me an awful lot about what the rest of the night was going to look like. Well, and the Jalen Hurts seven-yard run on the third and three was big because when you continue to run with the conventional running backs, we also talked about this last week, Hurts as a runner is a game-changer. They use the conventional backs to set up Hurts then deciding to fake the handoff and taking off. So it was the perfect setup. Giants are thinking Sanders, Sanders, Sanders. Hurts then catches them off guard. He keeps the ball. Mm -hmm. Fresh set of downs. And then two plays later, Boston Scott gets the touchdown. And there were a few things that the Giants absolutely couldn't do. Meaning if you put together the script that you have to avoid. Number one, fall down by multiple scores early. Okay? Unfortunately, they did that. Right. You can't allow the Eagles to establish a strong run game. Well, unfortunately, you allowed that. that. And then you also have to be able to sustain drives and not constantly get off the field in three and outs and be efficient on third down. Couldn't do that. And they couldn't do that. So, you know, all the check marks went next to the negatives. And you turned the ball over, by the way. Boxes that I thought the Giants were capable of that they had to have to pull off the upset because I gave them a lot of pluses on the intangible side of things. They had to, I said they had to run 35 times for 150 yards. That did not happen. I said they had to pound Jalen Hurts. Did you look at the box score by the end of the night? Zero quarterback hits. Not just zero sacks, folks. Zero quarterback hits. I said they had to win time of possession, about 33 minutes or so. Didn't do that. It was the opposite way. Absolutely. Okay? Every box that the Giants had to check, which I thought they were capable of doing, did not get checked. Didn't win the turnover battle. Again, I mean, everything they had to do, there was a path to victory for the Giants. They did not get one green light. Every single light they ran into was a red traffic light. That's why the Eagles dominated. There's really nothing else to say. No, it's just, it's worth at least recapping, even though I'm sure obviously it's painful for the fan base, but that's the reality of the circumstance. And it's another example that this is a league defined by matchups. The Giants matched up very well with the Minnesota Vikings. They played two close games this season, and they had a lot of experience in those close affairs. The Eagles, this game resembled more of Week 14. It did. Okay? It did. It was a mirror image, essentially, of that when the Eagles pretty much dominated as well. Been saying since the summer, Philly had the best roster. Then about a month and a half, two months ago, when San Fran traded for McCaffrey, I said, now I think San Francisco 
may wind up overtaking Philly. But guess what? Philly and San Francisco are playing in the NFC Championship game. That is no surprise if you strictly look at the talent on the 53-man rosters. The two best teams in the NFC, by far, are playing for the NFC title. Hey, you can say the same thing about the AFC, too, with the Bengals and the Chiefs. Those yeah, are two top-tier teams as well. Buffalo just couldn't get it done. Yeah, well, and Buffalo also was hammered by injuries and I would say did not play very good football down the stretch of the season. So not necessarily surprised in terms of the outcome there. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, a few reminders before we open up the lines. Make sure you go subscribe to the Giants Huddle Podcast. Podcast features a rapid reaction right after each game with one of our analysts, an episode midweek featuring an interview with a national analyst, and then a game preview featuring a long-form interview with a current Giants player, as well as an exclusive sit-down with Bob Pop and head coach Brian Dable and an opponent preview of that week's opponent. You could search for Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platform or listen on the Giants app, as well as Giants.com slash, t- slash podcast. Giants fans, you can also take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. The Giants official connected TV streaming app is Giants TV. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. And you can also follow at Giants on Twitter and retweet to win a $100 Team Store gift card and Modelo prize pack for every point the Giants score. One lucky fan is going to win. 31 fans won last week. Drink responsibly. Modelo, especially beer, imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois, 21 plus. As we move forward here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, it's brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved Zero never tasted so good. Let's open up the phone lines. We check in with Hugo in New Jersey joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Hugo? And that is short, sweet, and to the point. We are off to a roaring start here on Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. How about Joe in Pennsylvania as we try to get past the dial tones in the early portion of this show? Joe, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Oh, uh, great, man. I'm sick, too, of the game. But definitely when I look for the whole season, you know, where we finished last year, bottom five this year, we finished, as far as I'm concerned, top ten, and, and that's all in football. And and you you say we have to do do good in our division where we we finished up there. Uh, you know, we only won one game with uh, uh, against Washington. But even Washington, as far as I'm concerned, they're, they're top ten 
in the football, it, but there's a difference. Then we have uh, Dallas and Philadelphia, if you ask me. They're like top five in football, and, and they're, they, there's a gap there. So, you know, we're, we're not as bad as you think here. Oh, we can't win any division games. It, it's looking at where who's in our division as far, far as I'm concerned. Sure, and, but, uh, I mean, winning games in the division is the best path to win the division right, and get into right, the playoffs. So that's I, the point. No, your point is well taken. The competition in the division is top tier. There's no doubt about that. But, once again, the easiest path to get to the playoffs and keep yourself relevant yeah. to the wild card conversation is to take care of business in the division. I mean, Paul, we've had conversations previously. If you go through Giants history, at minimum, normally you had to go 3-3 three and three in the division to have a realistic right. shot to taste the playoffs. That's why I would say this year was very unique, it was. where they were 1-4-1 one, one in the division, yet they still made it to the postseason. It was right. very, very unique. There's no division like ours this year. Uh, in, in football, uh, as far as playing the Eagles, you know what I mean. That the, the big thing there, you were all right there, but you got to remember that that is a veteran line we went against there. You know, and they had, they had everything going for them. They had two weeks to rest up and plan how they're going to block us there. If I look right now, there there is a big gap in in talent wise. But if I look offensive line and defensive line, I'll I'll take Thomas from our Giants against anybody on the Eagles offensive line first, and I'll take Dexter Lawrence first on our defensive line against anybody on the Eagles first to build around there. But definitely, it's gonna it, it, there's gonna be a gap when they have to pay Hurts his money. They won't be able to bring up all these extra guys like they did. Uh, Winbold, Joseph, the sign, and who's the other guy? Well, most of those guys, though, weren't making big money, in fairness, Joe. Those right. were late additions to the roster you're bringing up. I mean, if you're talking about, yeah, maybe they can't acquire a James Bradbury and a C.J. Gardner-Johnson. It's limited. But, I mean, that's the nature of the beast. The Giants are going to have the same challenge if they lock up Daniel Jones. We were talking about that earlier. That's going to limit who else they could go after as well. Every team goes through that. I I I understand that, but that's going to bring the gap a, a little closer. And all, I, I'm very happy with our coaching staff. Remember, they can't get all their guys in there to fit their system just right either. That's the way I'm I'm looking at sure. it. Sure. Well, it's so, only year one. To your point, right. absolutely, so that's Joe. Why, that's why I'm so happy with them and everything going forward. Maybe we won't make the playoffs last. Uh, next year, but not to say we wouldn't be a better team. So, uh, well, and that's nope, what they're trying um, to build, Joe. And and one hundred percent. And listen, appreciate the phone call. Thanks for giving us a ring. The Lance, foundation is yeah. what it gets back to. Going back to uh, his comment in terms of the cap situation, yes, the Giants will have to eat up a lot of their space for their own guys. There's no question. You are a thousand percent correct. But right now, the Cowboys are in negative cap space projected going into next year. So they're in cap hell. They've got a they've got a bit of a problem. Uh, and then also the Eagles will have relatively few dollars of cap space going into next year. So if you're trying to comparatively look at the Giants compared to the rest of the division, there's going to be a lot less maneuverability for the Cowboys and the Eagles and even the Commanders who have a little bit more than the Eagles. But the Giants obviously have the biggest chunk of cap space available. They will try to retain their premier players 
which will then bring them a little bit closer to the rest of the division. But still, they should be in the best shape to maneuver. It's a cycle. Everybody's got to get under the cap by the beginning of the new league year in March. We go over this every single year. Guys are going to get cut. There's going to be contracts that are going to be restructured. So I always say looking at cap space right now doesn't really do a whole lot no. to spell things out because everyone, once again, has to be on an even playing field the, the only by thing, the time you get to March. The only thing that it does do, it tells you right now in terms of can you be a very flexible team sure. or a less flexible team. You're right, though. It bugs the living hell out of me when people start quoting cap numbers as early as late January, and like every week they're updating cap numbers. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's one of the dumbest things that I've ever seen the, the writers do, but they do it. All you need to know is that the Giants clearly have a much wider scope of flexibility than the rest of the division, and it will shrink. It will shrink when they re-sign their own guys, but they'll probably still have more than the other teams. That's it. You don't need to know anything else. Well, and the other thing is, Joe Shane came into a situation where he realized he didn't have a lot of financial flexibility. I don't think the first thing he wants to do, Paul, when he gains some more flexibility is, lose it all. is to then use it up again. Okay, so you have to take that into consideration. This is not his first rodeo. He's been around the block a few times. He understands how Buffalo operates and other teams, and I think he's learned valuable lessons along the way that the best way to build a team is you prioritize your internal candidates, you evaluate them, you invest in them, but at the same time, you give yourself freedom and flexibility to give out extensions to other players under contract, and then when you want to make your aggressive move, you pick wisely. Right, and I think you do that when you're one player away. The Giants are not there yet. They'd like to get there as soon as possible, but they're not quite there yet. Quickly, for the draft, Giants have their one first-round pick. They've got one in the second, two in the third, one in the fourth, one in the fifth, one in the sixth, two in the seventh, and they're anticipating potentially compensatories for Keith Crossan in the seventh round and for Lorenzo Carter in the sixth round because those free agents left during this past offseason. So they may wind up with 11 draft picks this year. And my goodness, the way that Joe Shane and company drafted this season, although injuries did sidetrack this class. And he talked about that earlier, too. You have to feel like he's pretty happy to have a number of picks available. Well, it gives you competition and more opportunities to evaluate how you're going to round out the roster. So, I mean, that's a positive. And remember, they're going to get guys back from last year's rookie class that were hurt. Wondell Robinson... You know, two offensive linemen who, you know, Josh Azudu I consider too, right? I mean, he's a guy that didn't play the entire season. At least he played I'll like, throw him in there. Yeah, he was active for what, about a third to a half almost? In that ballpark. Sure. You know, I consider Darian Beavers a red shirt. Yeah. The, the linebacker. inside linebacker. And, and Shane said it. Now, you don't have to believe me. I told you this all year, but Shane said it today. He was fighting for a starting job. I think he would have won a starting job, if not opening day with well, him. he had a very weeks. good preseason. He looked like a real stud. Consider him next year as part of that rookie class because he was a redshirt this year. Couldn't do anything for them. He was on IR. You can't even practice. So think about him when you start thinking about the new inside linebacker makeup on the 2023 team. Darian Beaver should be a big part of that. And it goes back to also conversations we had last offseason. If this team is going to now maintain consistency, the continued development of the draft classes. So now you add the 2022 class on to what we were talking about the previous years. For example, to me, case in point, Dexter Lawrence, the step he made this year, Paul, is exactly what I'm talking about. How you want to see a player 
get a more prominent role, new coaching staff, and really uplift his production. That's what you want to see across the board Mm -hmm. with respect to other draft classes. If that continues, and you know the coaching staff has done a heck of a job developing players, players that they didn't even draft this year, that to me is a positive sign. And then you don't put yourself in a position where you're desperately in need of a free agent or two to come in and fill all the voids. So Dexter Lawrence is the model that if there's any young player on this roster, you look at what happened with Dex, you look at the progress he made, that to me is the poster child of this situation. Sure, absolutely. Let's head back to the phone lines at 201-939-4513. Let's check in with Hugo in New Jersey. He joins us here on BBKL. What's happening, Hugo? Hey, hey guys. I just want to give a big thanks to the entire digital media staff at the Giants for a, a very fun season. I think you guys did a great job of covering the team, and that's, that goes across the board. Thank you. I appreciate um, you tuning in. Yeah, no, having said that, I guess I'm going to channel a little bit of uh, George Young here. George Young was a history teacher and great uh, student of history. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I really chuckled when the, the media started asking questions about OBJ and a number one wide receiver, right? So I'll just say, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Have these media members seen the whole Kenny Galladay fiasco when you reach for a number one receiver? Have they watched the Dallas and Eagle games this year? We're essentially weak in the trenches. That's where we're getting beaten. you got to get the trenches right, and then everything around good trenches will look a hell of a lot better. Receivers, quarterback, running backs, etc. So... Look, they're already coming out with the mock draft, and they have the Giants choosing a wide receiver at 25. I, I really don't care what they do at receiver. I mean, hopefully they get some new talent, but don't reach for it. The priority to compete in the NFC East is you got to shore up the trenches. It's, it's very clear. Look, I'll give you an example. James Bradbury can be beaten like a drum deep, right? But he, he depends on the pass rush getting there, so he cheats and he jumps. He jumps route. That's what the what, that's what good trenches do for all the perimeter players. Sure. Well, it goes hand in hand. It's a symbiotic relationship. But also, you need depth. It's not just the five guys well, that start. It's the players that come in. Case in point. Okay, I brought up Dexter Lawrence. Paul, here's a noticeable thing that I think changed the game. If you notice, when Dex came out against the Eagles, who did the Eagles run the ball at? Just go after. There you go. Okay? Whereas when the Eagles, they take out Brandon Graham or Fletcher Cox or Linville Joseph or (laughs) do you want me to go through the entire list? They bring in guys where the drop-off in production is not overwhelming. So to me, Hugo, it's not just the guys who are out there for the first few plays. It's who then are you shuffling in? You don't just need four or five guys you need seven eight players that are reliable Hugo look at it this way if you want to follow history look at this Giants team like the 81 Giants team that Ray Perkins brought back to the playoffs for the first time since 63 when they beat Philly in the first round much like the Giants beat Minnesota in the first round on the road when they were underdogs then the Giants went out to San Francisco and got beaten by a better 49ers team following a very poor, unnecessary roughness, roughing the passer call against Derek, uh, Gary Jeter. Okay, Gary Jeter, who, in my mind, that was a 
total crappy call, changed the whole complexion of the game in the second half, yeah. and then the 49ers ran away with the game because, quite frankly, they were the better team at almost every position. It's kind of exactly what happened the last couple of weeks here. It, it really, it's yeah. really a mirror image. And what happened? Well, that season started the Giants back on the road to being that kind of team again, as opposed to and also ran. So, and I get it. All right, I get it. In, in '82, they were four and five because of the strike. That was throw that out. '83, first year of Parcells, it was a mess, bunch of injuries and everything. But then what happened again in '84? '84, same thing. Giants, Giants. Okay, get into the playoffs. They win. Then they go to San Francisco. Much better team. They get beat by a much better roster. It was a building process. This team is where that team was. Yeah. If, if I may, just, just uh, one more point. And uh, Paul and, and Lancer, you're right on it. And I, as you probably know from my previous calls, I've been concerned about the running, uh, our ability to stop the run all year. And, of course, a lot has been said about our linebacker position. But I've been making the point that we only have, we have two very high-level defensive linemen and the rest is just not up to par. And I was a little surprised that during the year, and this is maybe a slight criticism of the front office, they, they did a great job of bringing guys off the couch and practice squads and so on. Couldn't do any more. something with the middle linebacker spot. But I was actually very disappointed this week in a seat guys who the organization is familiar with, and Jonathan Hankins and Linville Joseph making tackles in the run game, and we couldn't even get them on our staff. Now, those might be the guys... Joe Shane was talking about. Sure. Could have been. Like Absolutely. Brought in, but didn't have the financial flexibility. Could have been. 100%. Yeah. Could have been. Yeah. yeah. We, don't, we will yep. never know the answer. We to don't those know things. because unless the agent or the player themselves is going to reveal that, and you go appreciate the phone call. Thanks for giving us a ring here. But they could have very well wanted to bring in another interior defensive lineman. And Hankins is with the Cowboys. Joseph is with the Eagles, the two that are former Giants that the caller was referencing. You don't have the luxury late in the season because remember, you need to have enough cap space to get through injuries over the course of the season. You know, that's the other thing that you have to take into consideration. When you look at that number that's projected, can't spend it all. You need to leave money to make it through the remainder of the season as well. And Joe Shane understood that because, unfortunately, they were hit by injuries at a few key positions. I think before anybody criticizes anything about the transactions that this team made this year, they need to revisit the Giants' wide receiving core the defensive backs, and the linebackers and say, well, wait a second. They pieced together a bunch of spots with scotch tape, crazy glue, and a few clothespins, and they still got to the second round of the playoffs because so many of these guys, many of them coming from the recycle bin, were able to function well enough to get this team to the second round. Hell, how many times do you think that's happened in this league? It wasn't just that the rookie class, in 2007, the Giants' rookie class all came together and they got production out of all of those guys in the second half of the season during their postseason run, okay? Now, that's one thing because you've drafted those players, you think they have a lot of potential, and they just came along at an accelerated rate to help you in their first year. This is a case where they were picking up recycled players, recycled players who are not necessarily expected to give you much more. They're not expected to have potential, and yet they got it done to a functional level. I, I think this was 
a, a much more surprising and much more studious job by the personnel department and these coaches to be able to get extra juice out of what should have been a dry orange. Well, that's why Jalen Smith and Jared Davis come to mind because those are the two guys that they got really a lot out of over the course of the season. And Darian Beavers could very well be an option returning from injury. And maybe they don't necessarily have to go out and make a big splash. And I'd be surprised if they do because of other priorities on the roster. But if you get Beavers back and he can return to form, the mix of a seasoned veteran as well as an up-and-coming young guy can maybe help you fill that void or at least provide some stability at a position that, yes, did come back to haunt them at times because the Giants, we know, we went through the numbers. The rushing numbers were not pretty, especially against the Philadelphia Eagles in that playoff game. Let's head back to the lines. We check in with Pete in Florida joining us here on BBKL. What's happening, Pete? Hey, Paul and Lance. Great to talk to you guys again. Hi. Um, Yeah, man. I'll make my point about the game, but first I want to say, how do we feel much better a year from a year ago when the season ended versus now, man? It is just just such a great feeling to be where we're at. I know it's a difficult loss, but very proud of the organization, the players, the staff. You guys just I made made my year with the digital media. Um, Appreciate it. Collaboration, hearing the fans, everything was just amazing. I had such a good time this year, um, so I'm really happy with that. So and also Mike Kafka, what a job he did in the Vikings game. Um, I'm not going to ever say the guy. The guy's a genius, right? I mean, but I will say as far as the game, how I feel about where the mistake was. Um, Paul, kind of what you were talking about, um, the first drive. I mean, I feel like when the opposing team scores on the first drive, you want to come up with some points. So. We had, a, I believe it was a third and three on the 38-yard line. Um, yep. Coach also talked about the 35-yard line being the field goal range. Paul, you talked about 30 runs a game. To me, we need to run that football uh, to, to, to feed Barkley on third and three. And if we don't make it, we need to run him again. I mean, I just don't understand why we put ourselves in that, in that vulnerable position, in that spot in the field where a penalty or a sack, is going to put us out of range. We were that close to getting on the board, and who knows what would happen at that point after that. So I just felt like, you know, this this coaching staff is amazing and had a great year, but I think that was a mistake in my in my view at that point in the game. So I just want your comments on that. Again, I'll let you guys go. You're amazing. I, I uh, enjoyed everything about this year, and I'm looking forward to the offseason. All right, Pete. Appreciate the phone call. Well, they ran Barkley on the previous two plays, Mm -hmm. just to lay things out here. He ran for five yards on first down at the Philly 42, then he picked up another two to set up the third and three. So I can understand maybe part of the rationale from Kafka was let's try to get them a little bit off guard because they're maybe anticipating the run. And, hey, if Daniel Jones doesn't get tripped, who knows? Maybe he moves forward and picks up the first down. The pocket was collapsing. Jones all of a sudden didn't have a lot of wiggle room. He gets tripped up. It's possible. You go back and you look at that play. It's very possible that Jones could have taken off if he did to not get tripped side, up. To the left side, it looked like exactly. there was a lane. Yep. And uh, he tripped over uh, Andrew Thomas's ankle. Yep. Um, it You know, it's always easy to second guess. You know, True. they say hindsight is twenty twenty. I will tell you at the time, I did not have a problem with the play. The result, of course, was dreadful. And um, as I sit here and I listen to what the caller just said, it's a viable, it's a viable alternative. 
to say run it, and if you only get a yard or no gain, well, you're at the 35-yard line. That's the margin yeah, to you kick probably the field bring goal. out Gano. So you, you yeah. probably bring out Gano, and you, and you probably go for the three. But because they wound up uh, getting the back-to-back what was called sacks, now they could not even think about the field goal. So I get I get the point. I I, I think you you definitely have some water there in the glass, no question about it. But you know if we want to talk about overall, we're talking about how many snaps a game, seventy five or so snaps a game over the course of the whole season. Uh, think Brian Dable and Mike Kafka would tell you that I'm sure they were not happy with a hundred percent of their play calls over the course of could have oh, a game, right? Over seventeen games and two playoff games, there are going to be calls that they wanted back too, and maybe that was one of them. We'll never know. So I appreciate the call and I appreciate the point of view. And I also agree with the sentiment that it's a killer when you don't walk away with any points after the Eagles already jumped out to a 7 no nothing lead. And then you know, what made it worse is, once again, the field positioning that you hand over to Philadelphia. That's why I view that as a humongous turning point. I know you brought up the Miles Sanders run drive, which was big too, and we could point to a lot of other things. But Eagles, great field positioning. They turn that into a touchdown. You're in a 14 nothing hole. Now the Eagles have you exactly where they want. Not a pretty position to be in and a very difficult circumstance to try to dig out of, Mm -hmm. which has been well documented, by the way, not for just the Giants, but any other team that put themselves (laughs) in that position against the Eagles this season. Remember, I'll repeat it again. Eight turnovers in two of the Eagles' three losses this season. That's what it required to Mm -hmm. knock off Philadelphia. Washington and Dallas won both of those games. This, you know, this front four, as great as they were during the second half of the year and they got healthier, zero quarterback hits on Hurts the other night outside of when he scrambled and ran. That's when they hit him. But yeah. as far as quarterback hits in the pocket, zero. Zero. I, there's no way in the world that that number was going to be acceptable. Well, let's put it this way. You don't get any hits on the quarterback, you better be able to stop the run, okay? And when you can't yeah. stop the run and you can't hit the quarterback, Paul, you find me another strategy that's going to get I you know. back in that game. I know. You'd be very hard-pressed. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the exactly. Olympics. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that ladies and gentlemen please welcome sam cassell to point game i remember you came out from crying tears <laughs> crying tears. i mean he was in a culture shock and then he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning remember what so. i told you i said i said oh you think i can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Phil is in North Carolina joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Phil? Yeah, hi, guys. Thanks for uh, picking up my uh, call. Sure. Um, Yeah, a couple of things. One is obviously, yeah, really, really disappointing, uh, depressed, uh, and us fanatical fans definitely get (laughs) depressed over those. But you look at it in the big picture, uh, I kind of view it like um, Paul does in terms of uh, the 81 example is, is it. And 
that's how I kind of view it because we came out of a wilderness area uh, period of time. So, uh, with that said, the one thing I, I definitely agree with the trenches. I I don't care how if I lo- well I do care I lose to uh, Eagles, but I don't want to get bullied, and we got bullied. So we need to do everything in our power to improve our rush defense, and I would like to see us really invest in more defensive tackles and a stud middle linebacker. Well, the stud middle linebacker, remember, that goes back to also Paul. And, Phil, we'll let you go on that note. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks for giving us a ring. Where Wink Martindale's thinking is at that position, Paul, because when people bring up middle linebacker, my response is how much is the middle linebacker going to play this season? How much are you going to keep him on the field in passing down situations? If you're going to take him off the field on third down, then I'm not investing a lot of money in a middle linebacker. Well, it's not I, worth it. I've brought up Darian Beavers before. Darian Beavers may be your run-stopping interior linebacker that they're going to count on. He's coming cheaply. And he's on a rookie contract. Right. Yeah. He's coming cheaply with a lot of potential, with something they already know about because they saw him in August, so they have some idea of what they believe he can be. Um, you you may be looking at Beavers and maybe a supplemental veteran you know, who's an insurance policy or somebody they think might be able to uh, enhance the position. But that's a combo plan. Right. It, yeah, it that, that's my point. It, it seems to me Beavers is going to be a big part of that solution. I'd be surprised if he's not. And it wouldn't surprise me, too, if DJ Davidson, who they drafted this past year, and I will tell you, folks, they have tremendous, tremendous hope in him. They think his upside is big time and that he was just a little bit raw coming out of school and that he got hurt right away. Yep. DJ Davidson, I would submit to you, is going to be part of that defensive tackle rotation next year. No, I think that's a great point, and Joe Shane referenced him during the press conference, too, when he was going through the ins and outs of the draft class that got banged up. But if you want to talk about investing in a middle linebacker, I'm going to bring up some names. Two of these guys are not in the league anymore. Luke Keekley, who played for the Panthers, mm-hmm. Sean Lee with the Cowboys, Lainan Van Der Esch, who is now currently on Dallas. I mean, those are guys that you're not taking off the field on third down. Right. And you feel pretty good about their coverage skills in addition to their run-stopping ability. Those are the players, Paul, you make a splash for. If none of those guys are on the market, then you do your approach. You bring back Darian Beavers. You continue to develop him. You bring in maybe a veteran who could be that complimentary guy, and that's how you operate. And something tells me, with the way Wink Martindale's defense operates, he's not keeping a middle linebacker that's at least currently on the roster on the field for all three downs anyway. Well, he calls his defense a positionless defense. So, to be frank with you, you know, uh, the, quote, run-stopping, sturdy, bulky linebacker of years past, which there was a place for in this league, kind of doesn't have a very large place in today's game. And certainly not in a positionless defense. Unless he can cover, of course. Unless That's he, the unless he yeah. is so versatile. He's not going to be your typical, you know, Mike Singletary, Harry Carson kind of linebacker. Those kinds of guys are, are dinosaurs, really, to be frank with you. Sure. No, I, absolutely. That's why the game has changed, and I think the thinking for GMs has changed because they say, i got to talk to my defensive coordinator, how he's going to utilize personnel before all of a sudden 
I invest a great deal of money in a position that's not going to get the bulk of the snap. So some big decisions for Joe Shane and company, and uh, it should be an eventful offseason from that standpoint, as that is going to wrap up Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. Appreciate everybody tuning in. It is brought to you by Pepsi Zero Sugar. New and improved Zero never tasted so good. So we'll be back up and running again tomorrow at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. A reminder that... Big Blue Kickoff Live can be available on many different platforms, including Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. And remember, Big Blue Kickoff Live does not take a day off. There is no offseason for this program. We go Monday through Friday, (laughs) 24-7, year-round, okay? So this is not the start of the offseason. This is just the continuation of the calendar. Indeed it is. With that being said, enjoy the rest of your Monday. We're out. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.